Amen. Amen. Thanks, Pastor John. All right. Well, hey, kids, you guys can be dismissed. First through sixth grade, Mr. Louie will be right back there. And uh, again, your kids, if you're a first-time visitor, don't, you don't, your kids don't have to go. I'm cool with them staying in here. I know sometimes it can be scary. Uh, but Mr. Louie is not scary. I promise you that. But uh, what a good day. What, a, what an interesting time that we live in. I'm here to remind you that we're here temporarily, right? This is just the flight to the destination. It's not the destination. And we're going to make the best of it. Um, and so as we get into this, we started a new series today called Determined. And I, I was thinking for a theme for January that if anything that we need in our lives now is determination to make it. Amen. The mental thing is half the battle of determining to make it through what we're facing. Um, and so with, with regardless of how elections and all that stuff went, okay, be a productive member of society today, right? You, you don't, you know, guys, our, our call is not based on who's president or who's run the Senate, who's in God. That, that is not the call of God on our lives. It doesn't determine that. God determines our call. We determine whether we're going to live it out. Amen. Like I said, like it was Wednesday night, they're not throwing me into the lion's yet, so we're good, right? But there may be a time where that might happen. Um, as a pastor, that may, that may happen. And we have to be ready for those times because the Bible says that in the end times, the love of most will grow cold. It, it talks about the end times things that are happening before the return of Christ. And so if you're not right with Jesus, today would be a really good day to get right with Jesus. Amen. Amen. Really good day. So I wrote down, uh, I, I listened, I did something that I don't like to do. I listened to myself yesterday. Uh, the ladies had their event. And ladies, for those of you who made that happen, okay, that ladies' event was amazing. Um, the food was amazing. And some of you are wondering, why were you there? Because men were banned from that. Not if you help. All right, so if you want to help next year, come stack chairs after it's done. You get to eat all the pulled pork you want. Uh, but uh, I, I, I was amening because the speaker was really good, and I was in the back. I was saying, amen, amen, because I first said, amen, and I went, wait, that sounds like a guy, and I, I have to pretend that I'm not, right, to be at a women's event, but uh, I came for the food. No, I came, I came to serve. I knew the chairs needed to be put back, and I'm kind of particular with how they get put back. Isn't that bad? Like, they gotta be straight and there's little marks and I'm just a weird personality. It's if you see these little red marks on the carpet, that was me because I came in here one day when nobody was here with a tape measure and a string line and I measured everything from the wall so everything was symmetrical because the glory of God comes when things are symmetrical <laughs> more often. It's just the way it is, but... Yeah, yeah, the temple was Sumatra, yeah, Old Testament. But uh, so one thing that I did while the ladies were doing their thing is I was home and our house stays clean, but I was like a deep clean mode and I was like cleaning. So I listened to myself speak last week and I thought, man, you speak, you speak like you're on crack. I was, I was talking so fast, even I didn't know what I was saying and I'm the one who said it. And so I wrote on my notes, slow down. I wrote that, page four slow down. So I hope today that I, I don't turn a 25-minute sermon into an hour, but I do want to slow down a little bit. Amen? And y'all laugh because you knew I was right. I tell you, I hate listening to myself. I don't even like my own voice online. So we need to invest in a different microphone that makes me sound cooler, just like a, a better preacher, but it's all right. Philippians Chapter one is where we're going to be today. We are going to go through the book of Philippians, um, take some highlights. Pastor Stevie's going to bring the word next week. We're going to tag team it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, if you think I preach like I'm on crack, he's like he's on speed. Um, 
And as long as it's not an LSD, which would make him delusional, we'll be okay. But uh, it's going to be good next week. But we want to talk today um, in a series called Determined. And this, written, this book was written to a church in Philippi. I'm going to give you a little bit of history of what it's about. It's about hope and encouragement because life seldom turns out the way you planned. There's probably not one person in here that would say, no, my life, everything I planned happened. Life is all about unexpected turns, unexpected detours, unexpected things, and how do we deal with those things? Well, that's where the Apostle Paul is at uh, right now. Is he's in prison. He's writing this letter in chains, in prison, for simply preaching the gospel, for doing what's right. He's in jail again. And my title for today is Stagnant Stinks. Okay? Lack of determination will lead to stagnation, and stagnant stinks. Are you stagnant in your life today? Are you stagnant in your walk with God? Are you stagnant in your marriage? Are you just okay with what is? I hope the answer is no, I'm not. I'm not okay with what is. I found something in my wife's car. Um, she got a different vehicle, so I'm driving the black car now. And, and in the trunk, I found an article of clothing that was wrapped up in a bag that it had some moisture in it. And, and I was like, what's that? Because I've like, detailed the car, I'm cleaning it and threw all the stuff in her car and now the car's all nice and, and I opened the bag up and stagnant really stinks. Like I was like, oh, wow, we're talking throw away or bleach. I'm a tightwad, so I bleached. I'm like, okay, I don't want to buy it. And, and I didn't, but, but stagnant stinks and God doesn't want us to be stagnant in our walk with him. I'm gonna read verse six here and then we'll get into the word uh, after I lay this foundation of a little bit of history of why Paul wrote what he did. And so in verse six of Philippians chapter one, he says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That he who began a good work in you, as the song says, will be faithful to complete it. Okay, that's how I learned it when I grew up. And God will be faithful to complete the work in you, but you have to work it. You can't be lazy. You can't just get married and go, okay, babe, you... You be the wife you're supposed to be and I'll be the man I'm supposed to be, but it's all on you. And I want a great marriage. And I want some tea, please. Okay? We, we can't put it off on the other person. God began something in us, but we have to work it. And at this point, Paul, in his life, was still waiting to stand trial before Caesar regarding his Christianity. He was in chains under house arrest. It was not his choice. And today you might feel trapped by something that was not your choice. You didn't choose it, but you can't really change it. You have to go through it, and that's where Paul is. So what is it that is in your life right now that might have you like in chains, maybe emotionally or spiritually, and, and it's something somebody else did, and you're like, what? why do I have to suffer from your decision? Well, I get to be the tough pastor right now and say, that's just life sometimes, guys, that we do suffer from other people's decisions at times. A lot of times we suffer from our own decisions and that's something that we can help ourselves get through that. But when somebody else makes a choice that puts you in a prison like Paul is, how do you respond to that? And Paul's going to teach us through the book of Philippians how to get through those hard things. Philippi was a Roman military colony established about 31 BC. It was named after Philip of Macedon, the father of Alexander the Great. In this book, Paul does not deal with a major problem with the church like he does in most books. How, how many of y'all have kids? Like more than one. How, anybody have an easy child? You have the child that's just kind of easy? Like you tell them to clean the room and their room's already clean. You're, you're on a trip and they're the ones back there just smiling and coloring or whatever it is that they're doing. And then you have the, we'll call them the problem children. Or do, can we say problem siblings? Is that what we're supposed to do? No, 
In my Facebook post, I didn't read comments because I post stuff. I like, I like post stuff and then I leave, clean the house. I'm gonna give the biblical definition of a man and a woman. In the beginning, God made them male and female. Okay, so I'm gonna call your child your child, not your offspring, all right? I can remember about four, probably six, seven years ago. Remember when the Merry Christmas thing went out? Like people were offended by Merry Christmas. It was happy holidays, happy holidays, happy holidays. And you know what we did? We changed that. We did. As Christians, we're like, no, it's Christmas. We're gonna say Merry Christmas, all right? Because that's what it is, right? And if that offends you, then don't buy no presents and you won't get none either. So... That's the way it is. So I, I, as a pastor, I'm going to go biblical definitions of man, woman, God created them male and female. And it, it is okay for us to say that. Okay? I, 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 I was teasing somebody this, and my wife and I watched the, the, the new movie at Wonder Person. It's Wonder Woman. Right? That's what she is. It was actually had a really good, good uh, principle to it. Um, but, but we can't be afraid, and we're not going to be told by politicians what we can and cannot say. Politicians don't get to define, they don't get to overrule what God's word says. We're gonna be nice and polite about it, right? But we don't have to bow down to what they define is, is something different than what has always been, all right? Again, we're not gonna be jerks about it, but we can say, in fact, I was with somebody the other day, we went, walked out of a store and the lady said, happy holidays, and both of us said, Merry Christmas. <laughs> That's how you combat that. I mean, we, it was just, and she was like, oh, because she didn't want to offend us. I guess we don't have pastor written on our face. Um, maybe I should start wearing a little white clerical collar. And walk around. I don't know. Might work. Huh. I'm going to keep you here forever if I don't get going on this. Got that off my chest, though. I'm feeling better now. But I did skip a part in the notes, so we're about even. All right. So Paul's not dealing with the problem child. That's right, we were talking about your problem child. He does, he's not dealing with the problem child. He's dealing with the, the church in Philippi who were actually the easy church. They were the church that he said, you know, you guys are doing good. I just got some, some encouragement to give you. Keep doing what you're doing. You're doing great. It's a letter of hope and encouragement. Hang in there. It gets better because we all face discouragement. So the Philippian church actually started in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16. And it's important to understand who the author is and why he's writing what he's writing. So I didn't want to just come up and preach you the scripture, but I wanted to give you a backstory of here's who Paul is. Here's what he's doing. Here's why he's writing what he's writing. Here's his situation. Because I think we do a pretty good job of judging what we see and not understanding the backstory of people's lives. Like we see the reaction, but we don't know what really caused the reaction. And I think we can be pretty harsh on people sometimes not knowing they're going through something. We see somebody in traffic that might be cutting you off and man, they may have just gotten a divorce. They may have just got fired. We don't know really what's going on in our life and we're really quick to judge. And, and so Paul here is again, just encouraging this church to keep going. Say, I know it's hard, but I'm gonna continue to encourage you and I'm the one that's actually in change. And that's an amazing thing. He's in change and yet he's the one encouraging others to keep the faith. How good are we at doing that? How good are you at doing that? Like you're down in what we used to call the Molly Grubs. Is anybody else country? You kind of know the Molly Grubs. You're like, what is that? Is that a place in LA? I think it's a, you know. No, it, the Molly Grubs is just like you're down in the dumps. Okay, you're just down. You're kind of just in this place where it's dark. And, and Paul is continuing to encourage people in his situation. He doesn't complain. Despite his hardship, he's determined to encourage other people. And I believe that's a mark of a true Christian is that when you can go through something harsh, but you are helping other people along the way, that's what the church family is so important. That's one thing that we've missed with the, the whole COVID thing of people staying away. Um, let me tell you something. I'm online now. If you've been away for nine months, it's time to come home. Amen. Okay? 
Our whole family, we went through it, don't have it, can't get it, can't give it, okay? That's why, man, if you need a hug, I'll, I'll, I'm the huggy pastor. <laughs> if you're not a huggy, just go like, do something to me because I'll give you a hug because that's how I grew up, that's how I am, all right? Uh, so I'm not afraid of that. Let me tell you something of this. The thing that you want to do least are often the things that you need to do most, Amen. okay? And I'll do this again. I'm gonna step out of the way. I want you to take a picture of that so that I'm not in the way. And if you don't want to take a picture of that, you have an attitude and don't want to love Jesus any more than you do. Um, <laughs> no. So here's what you need to do. You don't want to pull your phone out and take a picture, but maybe you need to. Maybe you need to put this on your kids' wall. And if your spouse doesn't want to take a picture, take their phone, take a picture on their phone, put it as their screen. And if they don't want you to have their phone, take your own phone out, take a picture of it, send it to them. Okay? Because this, in my life, this is true. Right? The things that I, I, I want to do the least are often the things that I need to do the most. That's kind of like the thing in Christianity is we don't always want to pray. We don't always want to give. We don't always want to show up. But it's kind of the thing that we need to do the most. And when we can learn how to do that so that it's not so hard, that's when you'll find progress in your life. I may not want to forgive when someone has said something or done something to me. But the thing that I need to do the most is the thing I want to do the least, and that's the thing that I need to do the most, is to learn to forgive, to learn to move on. We don't like complaining, do we? Then why do we do it? Sometimes you gotta catch yourself complaining and stop. If, if, if anybody saw my 15-minute Facebook post this last week uh, regarding the DMV, okay? The DMV, my, I sent my wife down there. Well, I shouldn't say, I, that sounds like I'm ordering her. I didn't send her. I told her I would do it. She's like, no, I'll do it. So I said, well, probably Tuesday at 10 a.m. You know, it's probably fine because I've been down there a few times in the last several months. And she went down there at noon. She tits me this picture and there's this big old line and she's been there for two hours standing on the asphalt and the, there's about 35 people ahead of her not even in the building yet. And I was like, oh, babe, I'm so sorry. I said, leave. She's like, my back's hurting. I'm like, no kidding. So I, I ranted, but I didn't know it was a rant. I was just sharing my feelings. Um, and, and so I typed out what I typed out and I posted it like, you know, DMV. And then I, I was being very um, selfish. And I thought, you know, I think if you've lived here 25 years or more, you should have your own line. Um, we've been here about 30 and I thought it was a good idea, um, you know, because it's, you know, it's very self-centered and very selfish and very real in my life because I would have felt kind of special. Hey, any old timers? Yeah, ask me. I turned 50. I'm an old timer. No, come up to this line. And I'd have been like, yeah, maybe I've been here a long time. Okay. And, and so I, I, I mentioned that, not thinking how it would sound to people who have recently moved to the state, which we are very glad you're here. And, and I posted it, my frustration. I was like, they need to fix this. They need to like fix this, right? And I was, I was more complaining about the DMV than people moving in. It was like, you, you don't complain about the dam being too short if the rain keeps falling, right? Build a bigger dam. And so, so I was thinking DMV needs to fix this whole thing. Who, who shares my frustration, whether you've just moved here or not? Okay, I don't want you to have to wait that long in line. And so anyhow, so I go back to my Bible study. I'm just typing on and on. And my wife calls me. She's like, are you all right? It's like, yeah, why? Am I not, should I not be? Like, What's up? She's like, well, you were ranting on Facebook. I said, I was. I wasn't trying to. I was just stating my opinion, which is very rare, but sometimes I do. Um, and she, she's like, babe, new people into the state might kind of think that you're, I was like, oh, that's not how I meant it. And so I was like, well, I'll take it down. So I, t I, I removed it. 
And, and I, was, I was like, I felt bad for the rest of the day. I was like, I didn't want to offend anybody. I wasn't trying to. Um, you know, I was trying to complain my way to a better day, which doesn't work, right? That didn't work. And uh, so I, I, I took it off because I'm so thankful for a wife that loves me enough to say, hey, you're ranting. That's what it is. That's how I came across and I didn't even know I was doing it. Um, and I appreciate her telling that. So on Friday, I decided to do a preemptive strike. Instead of complaining about everything, I set my clock. I'm like, I'm going to get up at six o'clock and I'm going to put my hunting clothes on. I'm going to put my warmers on and I'm going to take my chair and I'm going to go park in front of the DMV and I'm driving down, uh, stopped by the church here like at 6.30 and I'm driving the DMV. I was like, I don't know, I have no idea if there's going to be a big line, no line, little line. I have no clue, but I'm going to get the car registered today because I am determined. So I got down there. There was three people ahead of me. I was like, dang, I wasn't first, but fourth isn't bad. Okay, and so I set my camp chair up. I got my clothes on, my hunting stuff on. I'm just sitting there. I got a book. And then all of a sudden, people start filtering in. And I'm talking a lot. And so I, I never did get to my book. I met two new friends that actually live here in Cuna about my age. And we talked about farming and all the things that they grew up doing. My whole point is that is we can spend our time complaining about what is and not doing anything about it. Sometimes you got to change your approach to get the accomplishment. And I can tell you at 815, I'm driving around the DMV and going, see you guys later. And I also had to confront somebody because there was a line jumper. True story. So it's like 730. Line is all the way to the bank. If, you, if you've been there, you know, the, all the way to the bank. There's tons of people. And this lady comes up. I can't describe her because she might be listening. Um, and, and she comes up and she looks at the door and then she goes and stands by the front of the line. Yeah. What? I'm like, what? I'm in my chair and I look at my new friend and I'm like, what are we going to do about this? Like, cause you know, line jumpers, that's not cool. Right. And so we're kind of talking and, and, and it's getting close to eight when they open the door at eight and, and it's getting, and she's just standing there and I decided to take charge because <laughs> I have a sense of right and wrong and all these people in the back, they're my, I might save this woman's life from the mob. Right. And I got to talk to her. So, I, I, I was like, I have no problem confrontation. So I, I, I walked up to her and I said, ma'am, you know the line's back there, right? She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I have an appointment. I just need to talk to somebody about it. I was like, oh, so you had an appointment. She's like, yeah, it's for 8.30. And I said, okay, Clar- clarified. If anybody comes after you, I will let them know that you have an appointment. I was like, I'll have your back. I promise, I'll have your back. She's like, oh, thank you so much. Um, and then that was the situation. But the appearance was, is she's like the line jumper. I was like, at the DMV, you don't want to do that. <laughs> People already mad, right? And, and I could just picture this altercation. So if you're visiting, just so you know, I don't have a problem like confronting right and wrong. With a smile and my hunting clothes on. I did have my pistol with me. Um, it wasn't visible, but you know, you never know what might happen in the dark in Meridian, Idaho. All right. So we waited through that and, and we got through it. Everything was cool. Got in at 15. Again, I can complain all I want, but what am I going to do about it? Right. I, I can't complain the DMV to go, oh, okay, well, we'll open 24 hours a day because you, Stan, said so. I can't have this entitled attitude of going, well, I should get in line first. No, if you want to get in line first, show up early. Wake up early. Don't drink coffee. Do not lose your place in line. Okay? It's like, I'm not drinking coffee. I drank coffee on the way home. I was pretty happy about the, the thing and we're getting our plates in the mail. Everything's cool. Paul's in chains and yet he's encouraging other people. All right, Paul is determined again to set a good example in how to react when life doesn't go the way you want. 
Sometimes things in life happen. One of my elk hunting trips about three years ago, my dad had shot a bull and uh, my son and I went up around the mountain and we were gonna drag it down in the snow. And so as we're dragging it, it gets hung up in the brush. And, and so I'm yanking on it and it had got twisted and well, it came on and it flipped and the horn hit me right in the eye socket. Just bam. And I was like, ah, oh, I couldn't see. Look true. I mean, so I'm like, I just blinded myself. I just poked my eye out. And Travis was like, dad, I'm like, it's cool. Um, and, and blood coming down, and I can't see. And I'm like, I just poke my eye out. <laughs> Don't elk hunt. <laughs> You'll poke your eye out, kid. Um, <laughs> so, so I got blood, I can't see. I'm like, well, the elk has got to get off the mountain anyway. So I can complain about not having an eye, or we can get the elk down and then deal with it. So we continue to drag it all the way down the truck. And I, I looked in the mirror, and, and I had cut it. And literally the horn went right under my socket and I thought, I'm blind. And then I realized it was blood and I started washing it out and then I could see. I was like, thank you, Jesus, right? (laughs) Because then you'd have a four-toed, one-eyed pastor and that would be kind of strange. But uh, if you're new, I have four toes on my left foot, missing the little pinky. In heaven, you'll all have four toes. You'll be perfect. Um, And... uh, but we get a new body, that's why I talk about it. I don't really care. It's like, we get a new body, everything's gonna be cool. Um, I, I joked with first service, I said, you know, I've, I've always talked about when I get to heaven, y'all not gonna recognize me. You're gonna be looking up. Be like, he's 6'2". And I had this thought as I was preaching last service, what if everybody in heaven's like eight foot? And I'm 6'2". And I'm gonna be like, God, he's like, well, you said 6'2 several times on the pulpit and... Eight foot's average, so there you go. Be careful what you ask for. That could be a thing. Maybe Holy Spirit spoke to me during, like, you're, you're way short of what average is in heaven. I don't, wouldn't that be funny? That would be an interesting thing. Are you having fun? I hope you're having fun. Yeah, because you know me, I'll, I'll give you a hug and I'll kick you in the shin, I'll tell you knock it off. But I believe that church is a place where joy should be. Amen. It should be. We should have fun with the word of God and, uh, and we can be convicted at the same time. All right. So how do you react when life doesn't go the way you want? Paul's determined to set this good example on how to do that. Uh, Philippi, how did it get started? It started as a church plant 10 years prior when Paul and Silas, if you know the story in the book of Acts where Paul and Silas were preaching and they got beat up and they got stuck in this jail and they got beat severely and they're at midnight, they're in, their feet are in the stocks, their, their backs are bloody, they're in chains and they're singing praises to God. This is about midnight, Paul and Silas are singing praises to God amidst their chains, amidst their pain and, and all of a sudden the earth starts shaking, boom, the earthquake and their chains fell off and, and the jailer comes running in and he's gonna kill himself because in those days, if a prisoner escaped, you died. Like as, as the jailer, and he pulls a sword and he's gonna kill himself because he knows that the Roman government's gonna kill him. And Paul stops him. He says, hey, wait, we're all here. We're all here. Don't do this. And that night, the jailer and his family got saved. Okay, another lady named Lydia who dealt in purple cloth. She was a very wealthy woman. Uh, she was also a part of this church plant. And why do I tell you the story? Because when you praise through your pain, when you praise through your prison, you have no idea who needs you to get through that. You have no idea what the result of that praise is gonna be. So that's where this church is 10 years prior because of what Paul did in his attitude in a hard time, people ended up coming to know Jesus. You know, the world, if, they, if they're gonna want what you have, it better be good. 
to them. They better see a difference in you as a Christian. They better see that serving God works because if you're acting and you're freaking out like everybody else, why would they want what you have? Why would they want what you have? You ever have somebody smell something and go, oh, that's the most terrible, smell it? You ever had that happen? You're like, why would I want what you have? The funny part, in my family, not too long ago, there was a rag or something. I was like, oh, that stinks. I threw it down. Two of my family just picked it up and smelled it. It's like, apparently they don't believe me. It's like, you've heard me preach for 30 years and you still don't believe me. <laughs> well, maybe if you're telling the truth, we would. I don't know. It just, I thought it was kind of strange. I'm like, just trust me, it stinks. See, they praised the word through the hardship and the result was people getting saved and that's, that's how the church got planted so you may have no idea who is counting on you to persevere through the trials in life, what you're facing right now. Somebody you may not even know is counting on you to make it. Somebody's watching you. They're watching you navigate. They're, they're going, okay, they're going through a hard time, but somehow there's a joy in them. Somehow there's a difference. They're not out getting wasted and, and drinking in a way and not shooting up. They're, somehow they're navigating this. What is it that they have? And because I'm going through something, I want that. And as a Christian, we need to make Jesus look very attractive by how we live, by how we navigate through things. So our attitude in the hard things can make a big difference, just like a little spark plug can create a big explosion. How much emotional energy do you put into worry? Probably depends on how much news you watch, okay? I tell you, spend more time in the word, less time in the news, okay? The word is always true. The news you can never trust any station, right? And, and if you spend a lot of time in the news, you're not gonna feel great about life. I've never known anybody to watch a lot of news and went, yeah, man, life's awesome. Usually it's, ah, right? But you spend time in God's word and God says, hey, keep your chin up. God's got this. It's gonna be fine. We're gonna get through this. It'll encourage you. So your attitude is being watched by other people. And Paul senses here that the end of his life is near. I mean, he's like, I, I could die any time. And he has this mindset that he speaks of in verse 21, and Pastor Steve will comment more on this next week. But he says this in verse 21. He says, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. He's like, guys, you can't kill me. I might be chained to a Roman guard, but Rome is not going to take away who I am. Rome is not, they might keep my body chained up, but they're not gonna keep my spirit chained up. They might kill this body, but I get a new one. You can kill me, but you're not killing me. You're just killing this body that holds the real me. You are a spiritual person. The moment you die, I've talked to some people who have actually died and they saw their bodies. One was my grandma laying down on the ground like they were above going, whoa, that's me, right? Just looking, I had two people talk to me about it. Like I had a really weird experience. I was like, no, you just, you died. Your body died and your spirit came out and you're looking, the doctors are shocking this one lady. She was just seeing, she was seeing them work on her and she was just floating above it, all right? So I've talked to people who have been there. They cannot kill you. And that's where Paul is at. He's like, I, I lose nothing by dying. Matter of fact, I gain. You see, what you see physically is only one reality and it's temporary. The other reality is spiritual and that's eternal. And he knew what God had done and what God had asked him to do with his life up to this point, And he was okay with whatever was gonna happen to him. My question for you is, are you okay with whatever happens? because your focus is on Jesus, not on our government, not on who's elected. They govern some things and they, they're there, I believe, because the Bible says God establishes kings. I have to believe that that's what God's doing because he knows more than you. I'm glad that, that a God I serve doesn't have to check in with me to see if it's okay if he makes certain decisions. 
Because that'd be a God you created. God has this whole thing already planned out. You read the end of the book, again, we win. So there's not a lot that we have to worry about. But Paul here, he's kingdom-minded. It's like, whatever happens to me is gonna happen. I'm gonna serve God despite it. He was not afraid of death or what people could do to him. And here's when we become afraid. We become afraid when we forget who God is in our life. Okay, and that's, again, the news is gonna put all this stuff out there and you gotta you know, go, you know, I'm gonna go to God's, go, oh, God's in control, that's right. Guys, I need to be reminded of this. I need to be reminded every day that God is who he says he is and he will do what he said he will do. We become afraid when we take control of our lives instead of allowing God to take control of our lives. And so that slide there is, I believe a mature Christian gets to the point where they firmly believe this. God is who he says he is and he's gonna do what he said he will do. And we have to remember this earth is not the end. Every day is a page in the chapter of your life and you get to determine some of the things that happen but some of the things you don't get to determine. What you do get to determine is how you are going to react to those things. I can't always help what somebody does to me, but I, I can determine how I react to it. And that's really, really important, okay? So now let's get into the Bible. We've been into the Bible? I read a verse, right? Now we're talking biblical things. Some people have this, I'm miserable and it's your fault attitude. <laughs> you ran into those? I'm miserable and it's your fault. Every morning, I look in the mirror and I get to determine what kind of day I'm gonna have. I don't get to determine what happens, but I get to determine my reaction to it, okay? Sometimes I'm my own worst enemy. Anybody amen to that? <laughs> like I'm my own worst enemy? And first off, I wanna, I wanna read this, just read through this and then we'll talk about it. The good news is I'm on page four, so I'm over halfway through the message. Can I get a testify, right? Somebody testify, somebody testify. Paul and Timothy, Servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, and grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart for whether I'm in chains for defending or confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. Can you testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus? And this is my prayer, that your bank account, that your house gets bigger, that you just have incredible blessings, may abound more and more. And if you would have brought your Bible, you know that's not what it says. That's right, I'm gonna have heavy, like bring your Bible. It's not what it says. Here's, here's Paul's prayer. And this is my prayer that your love may abound. Amen. Like he's not focused on the stuff. He's not saying, oh, as a, as a believer, you need to get stuff. No, he said, I just want you to love people better. I want you to love Jesus more. And here's what I truly believe, guys, is you cannot say you love Jesus if you hate people. Right. You can't. It, it doesn't work. I, I've heard pastors say it before and it makes me cringe. Like, you know, well, the ministry's great if it wasn't for the people. That is the stupidest thing a pastor could say fire him, or at least threaten him, right? That's why you should have a voting membership. <laughs> if not, it turns into a mob with spears and pitchforks and flames. Or they just go to another church. There's lots of options, right? But pastors that say that, I'm like, get out of the ministry because you're not called. You can't say, well, ministry would be good if it wasn't for people. That's, that's stupid. That's, that's just a bad attitude. Like, marriage would be great if it wasn't for your wife. Yeah. I mean, imagine saying that. that, that doesn't jive, does it? Her marriage is great. I've got an amazing wife. I love being married to my wife, okay? 
but he's just saying here, guys, what I want to see in you is that your love for people will grow. That your love for people will grow. And what is love? What is, how do we define love? Our world would define love as just everything goes. No, that's not love. Okay, love is confrontational at times. Love says, hey, don't. Like I shared yesterday in my, my post, I said, if, if a doctor discovered you had cancer, but he was so afraid of hurting your feelings that he didn't tell you that you had cancer, and it was like, oh, everything's good, just yeah, go ahead, live life. Okay, that, that would not be an act of love. It would be an act of treachery, right? We would say that's a loving person has to confront, and that's why I am not afraid to talk about what the Bible says is sin, because sin kills you, it does. We have to deal with that thing in us. Uh, I'm not afraid to call sin for what it is. I can't be, I'm a pastor. I'm gonna stand before God and give an account. I can't say, well, God, I was just afraid of hurting their feelings. I didn't care about that lady's feelings very much that cut in front of the line at the DMV. What I cared about was her. Like, I don't want the mob to come and drag you off. And I just felt like fighting, so I wanted to get involved. No, I didn't. It would have been easier just to not confront it, right? It would be easier just to let people do whatever they want to do. But, but as a leader, there's times that we can't just let people do what they want to do. We have to say, you know what, this is the right thing to do. Because when you don't confront, you will begin to get taken advantage of. There's times when it's okay to get taken advantage. There, there was a lady that I didn't confront, okay? So I have to tell you the good side of Stan. I told you about bad Stan, good Stan. I had this lady, I was at Costco, and, and I was, had my cart, you know, and, and this lady comes walking up, and she just puts her cart right in front of mine. It doesn't even look at me. And I had a mask on. Had she seen my reaction? <laughs> I was like, did, that, did you just do that? So I bumped her a couple times. I was like, no, I didn't. I, 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 was, I had the choice to make. I said, okay, that's cool. That's fine. Just go ahead. I hope your bill's bigger than mine and I hope all your food rots that's in your cart, but God bless you. And sometimes we pray that way, don't we? No, and I had to just say, you know what? It's fine. It's okay. I had to believe that she didn't see me, which would have been nearly impossible, but she seemed kind of like the one that was gonna just get her way and, and I was like, it's okay. It's cool. So, as far as I'm concerned, Lori, I'm one for one. So I'm batting 500. Good reaction, right? I was okay. I don't, I don't want to paint this picture. I'm always confronting people. Just like 90, 90% of the time. That's what I do. We have to know how to love people. Sometimes love is confrontational. Other times love is forgiving. Isn't that weird? Like sometimes love confronts and other times love overlooks. In life, you need to know what to look over and what to overlook. Some things you look over, other things you overlook. A happy marriage is made of those things. I think we need to look this over, other times we just need to overlook it. There's this, there's this grace. I'm sure glad God overlooks a lot of my stupid stuff that I do. All right? Grace and peace, that's what he's, he's asking them. And he says this in verse nine, we'll go there. He says, this is my prayer, again, that your love will abound. That's what's important, is that your love will abound. And more knowledge and your depth of insight. Again, insight is seeing beyond what's visible, Important word here, if you have your hard Bible, or if you can underline that, insight is seeing what isn't. Because we can look in our world right now and we can have sight and we can see all the craziness, but insight sees beyond what's happening, kind of into the why it's happening. Insight says, oh, in the end times, people are gonna go crazy. They'll be lovers of themselves, abusive. I mean, it lists a whole bunch of things um, that the Bible says are gonna happen in the end times. Okay, there's gonna be severe earthquakes as an increase and there's gonna be diseases, increasing in diseases. 
Right? That's what the Bible says. And Jesus is telling us and he's warning us, this shouldn't surprise you. So guys, when we see all this stuff going on in this world, we see the, the natural disasters increasing, it is not because you drive a car. It's just not, right? It's not, it's not oil consumption. I, I saw a, a particular lady in leadership in Washington, D.C. that lives in Southern California and has a nephew who's a governor. Um, <laughs> no, she said this. She, she, she blamed the forest fires and earthquakes on, on pollution. Like, it's because we're driving cars. That's why these are increases. I said, no, Mrs. P. No. <laughs> The Bible says that in the latter times, you're going to see an increase in earthquakes, natural disasters, and all this stuff is happening. It's not because we're causing it, guys. Now, again, I'm about taking care of the environment. Do your part, okay? But I'm not gonna say, oh, I drove a car, so I've caused the earthquake. I wish I had that much power because I drive my car all the time. <laughs> I talk about it on Sunday. Hey, there might be an earthquake. And I'd go drive like 58 miles and get an earthquake. If I could do that, that would be great. If you, saw, if you saw the movie Wonder Person, um, it was Wonder Woman. We watched that this, this week. Man, it has a good principle to it. I really appreciate it if you haven't seen it. Uh, it it's, she talks about truth and not cheating. I mean, I, and I, I really liked the whole thing. It's about getting what you wish and what happens when you get what you wish. I mean, it destroys the world. And I, I, I was like, man, whoever wrote this screenplay, I mean, it's, they knew what they were talking about on human behavior. We can't always get what we want because it will turn out in a bad way. But guys, our world, again, the Bible, you have to read the Bible. That's why when earthquakes happen, natural disasters, you have to go, oh yeah, Lord of God said that. Matthew 24, read Matthew 24. Jesus says, this is the stuff that's gonna happen. And so we don't have to freak out about it. It's just signs of the end times. Again, be right with Jesus and he, Paul says this, he, he says, first of all, here's who I am. I'm a servant of Jesus. That's how he identifies himself. He doesn't say I'm an ex-Pharisee who used to kill Christians and I, I went around. He doesn't introduce himself as to what he was. He introduces himself as to who he, who he is now. And some of you today have a hard time letting go of what God saved you from and that's how you see your, your matter of fact, your identity is found in your past and it's, and it's an anchor for you. And it's like, well, this is what I used to be. Okay, it's okay to remember what you used to be, but you need to identify yourself as to who you are in Christ Jesus today, right? You use your testimony to help others, but you don't identify yourself as to who you were. You identify yourself as to who you are now. You were forgiven. You were blood-bought. You were on your way to heaven. You were right with God. You were a child of God, all right? So don't let that past just stay with you. Matter of fact, you have to know when to cut the chain sometimes, we had a little tiny Bichon dog years ago and we lived on a farm that had chickens and this little white Bichon French little dog decided that she wanted to be a chicken killer. I always like it when a small thing pretends it can do big things and, <laughs> and this dog killed a chicken. Her name was Emma. Emma kills the farmer's chicken. It's not our chicken, it's somebody else's chicken and we're like, ah, you killed a chicken. And so we thought, okay, we read up, okay, how do you, how do you cure a dog from killing chickens? Tie it around their neck. So we tied the chicken around the neck. We're like, I'm going to show you. She, she might, you're the what I got. I killed a chicken. She just paraded around like it was something she did great. I was like, well, that didn't work. Um, you know, I couldn't shame her because she's a dog. But she was, she was proud of it. But some of you are dragging your past around and God says, wait, I forgive you of that. Why are you still dragging? Why, why is that still hooked to you? Right? Yeah, you just got to learn to cut it off. So, so when he introduces himself, he, he doesn't talk about, his, his past, he had a past, guys. He had a past. 
And he was so thankful that Jesus forgave him of the past that he had this amazing future. So when you introduce yourself mentally, tell yourself, you know, I'm a servant of Christ. I'm not gonna identify myself with what I was, my addiction, my, you know, whatever it is, the message you had before Christ. Don't identify yourself because that's not who you are anymore. Amen. Just, just don't, all right? Again, then use that story for God's glory, but don't identify us. And then he says grace and peace. Where does that come from? Only from God the Father and Jesus Christ. Paul knew what hardship was. And as a Pharisee, he enjoyed the benefits of that lifestyle. As a Christian, that all changed because he had experienced grace. He now knew what peace was. And I will promise you this today. If you are here or watching online and you have not accepted Jesus as your personal savior, you do not know what peace is. You don't know what peace is. Peace only comes from accepting Christ because all of us guys were headed to hell. We were all headed to hell and then we had a savior. And when we accept that, we get saved from hell. That's when people say, well, have you gotten saved? Saved from what? <laughs> saved from eternity hell. I take that serious. Amen. I take that serious. That's why I preach the way I do. I don't want anybody to go there. He knew what genuine peace was, okay? But you cannot have peace if you don't have Christ in your life. There is a God void in each human that can only be filled with him. And Paul went through a lot of hard stuff. I'm gonna read you some of the things that he went through uh, because again, he, he's in prison here, but he, this is like the tail end of his life in the last oh, 14 years or so that he has been saved. Here's what he faces, and you can find this in 2 Corinthians 11, 22. He says this. He says, are they servants of Christ? Okay. And he goes, I'm out of my mind to be talking like this. I am more, I've worked harder I've been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. So he got whipped 39 times, five different times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned with rocks. I'm gonna make clear, clear about that. He got, they threw rocks, drug him out of the city. Three times I was shipwrecked. One would have been good enough for me. All right, I saw Jaws too many times as a kid. Uh, all right, get shipping. I spent a night and day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. <laughs> it's like, like a new mom, right? Some of you feel that right now. I have known hunger and thirst. I've often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I'm a pastor. That's what he says. I care about these churches and everything. That's kind of where he's at. He's like, but I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm going to make it. And then, you know, years later, he's in prison again. And why is he in prison again? For doing the same thing that got him beat up the last time. And that was doing what God had called him to do. Doing what God calls you to do isn't always convenient for your body. It's not always convenient for you. It doesn't have to be convenient. God's not always gonna make it convenient. And Paul and he had this mentality is I am going to get through this. I've been through it before. I'm gonna get through it again. And there's no sense that Paul's feeling sorry for himself. In fact, he was intent on encouraging others and he was the one that was in chains and here he is encouraging somebody else to keep going. That's a pretty amazing thing. So this is challenging to us because it's hard to encourage someone when we feel discouraged. I'll tell you this, this works for me. One of the best ways to beat depression is to serve someone else. Amen. There's different levels of depression, but when you serve somebody and you do something for somebody else, 
You feel good about yourself. You feel like, well, I contributed to something. There's not, I don't think there's many people in here that did something good for someone that really blessed them and felt terrible about it. Like, man, I just made someone's day. (laughs) See, it's usually the opposite of what we want to do, but most of the time it works just to serve our way out of it. Again, you know, there's clinical depression. I get that, but I'm talking about like average people depression. We go through stuff. One of the things that, that I learned how to do was, was I'm going to say it, break into cars. Um, I know how to unlock cars. I have two kits and my son knows how to do it. They're like, what kind of pastor are you? I'm a pastor that cares about you when you lock yourself out of your car. So if you're in the CUNY area and you lock yourself out of your car, call old Pastor Stan. I can say old now because I'm 50 and, and I'll do my best to, to unlock you for free. Why? Because it's something I enjoy doing. I may have to bring a hammer to finish the job, but I promise I will get it on. <laughs> no, we know how to do it. So a little backstory on it, all right? I, I, a lot of you know I volunteered with the sheriff's office for about 12 years, and so I, I did lockouts. I was, it was cool, it was cool. Um, and I just I learned how to do it. Well, how did I learn how to do it? Because there was a time when I went up into the mountains to a training for a Royal Ranger uh, leadership thing, and I locked my car, I had a Geo Metro, locked my keys in it. Nobody could get into it, and I had to break the little back window. And that is so hard for a tightwad to do. I'm like, it's going to cost me a lot of money that I had to, I had to break. I tried not to. Ray, I tried to use a screwdriver. Just like, and it, it shattered. I was like, doggone it. So drove home, cost me 50 bucks for a new window. And, and then we had the last construction project at the, if you don't know, this church used to be across the tracks. It's, um, uh, it's Alpha, right, Mike? Still, my Alpha Home Systems and, and CUNY, or CUNY Kids, CUNY Cave Kids. That was our old church building. You still feel the glory of God, don't you, when you walk in? Um, and that was our old church facility. And, and one of those, I think it was a concrete driver drove up and he found this lockout kit. This was after my incident. He found this lockout kit, like a, a real locksmith lockout kit on the road. And he was like, man, I'm afraid to have this. I was like, you must be X, con. Uh, because he was like, he was like, I'm afraid to have this. And, and he was like really freaked out. And I'm like, bro, I'll totally take that. He's like, here, he's like, here, take it. Like, now you can, you know. And, and so I started using it. For God's glory, like people would lock themselves out. I'd go to the high school, the gas stations. It's like people knew because our town was small then. Um, and so people were like, this town is tiny because of where you came from. No, there was 3,500 people. And, and so I learned out of my own, okay, tragedy or my own problem, I learned how to help other people in their problems because we all lock our keys in sometimes. We all do, okay? I've got like a hide key and an extra key. I got because I get old now and I'm like, uh, I forget. And so, so we learned, okay, me and my son and Russ, okay, to, to say, you know what? We can help you in your issue. So what I want to encourage you is that you don't look at your past bad decision to lock your keys in the car or do something that got you in some sort of bond and say, well, how would God ever use that? God will absolutely use that to help somebody else when they're locked in or locked out of something. God will use your story for his glory. You just gotta be willing to let him, amen? Because we were all headed to hell and God saved us from that. Verse six, I, um, I want to just talk just for a moment and we'll have the worship team come back up. It says this, it says, he who began the work in you will be faithful to complete it. And that's kind of the highlight of chapter one or at least this part of chapter one. But you have to let God do that. You have to let him. He started something in you, but you got to complete it. See, a good parent doesn't do everything for their kid. A good parent teaches their kid. A good parent says, you know what? There's a point where you need to start doing things on yourself, okay? There, there's a point of potty training because like I said, if, you're, if your kid's 10 years old and you're in the other room and, and you hear this cry from the bathroom, 
Mom, I'm done. Yeah. If you've been doing it for them this whole time, they, they need to learn how to do it. I don't need to go any further, right? You understand what I'm saying? Okay, just making sure. Okay, there's a point where you show them and then you have to let them because they will never become members of society that are productive and contributors. We can't just give our kids everything. They have to go through. Matter of fact, guys, the, the tough stuff is what made you. Tough stuff was what made you. One of the things that I was, was, I was at the DMV talking to these new friends of mine, they're both employers and they said, we can't find people that work. He said, right now I could, fire high, fi- I could hire five guys right now at 15 bucks an hour, or people. Okay, I, I need five people today and I can't find people that wanna work. The other guy was like, we have three people retiring and nobody wants to do the job anymore. It had to do with fire sprinklers. He said, they just, we can't find people that want to work. That's kind of sad. So if you come up for prayer and you pray, Pastor, I just need a job. Oh boy, I can hook you up. Um, all right, it might be doing insulation, but at 15 bucks an hour, what, you know, it's better sitting home. But that was the frustration was we can't find people that want to work. We, this, this young generation, they don't want to work. They just want everything given to them. And we've kind of created that, right? Work ethic is very, very, very important to me, very important to my family. So God will complete the work, but you got to allow him to be in charge of your life and do what he is, uh, wants you to do. So, all right, let me get back to my notes here. A lot of times our gifts are developed through the hard stuff in life. You're going through something hard, God's developing you. If you remember film, anybody remember film? Our young people have no idea what 35 millimeter film is. No clue. They're like, what? A little round thing. Uh, like, were you a spy in you know, World War I? Uh, no, it's not that old. But I was, I was on the uh, yearbook team in, in high school, and we would go into the dark room to develop the film. And if you remember that, there's acid, there's chemicals, and there's some pretty dangerous stuff. But the, but the film had to be developed in the darkness, had to go through a process to have the picture that you wanted. Okay, you took the picture, but then there was, a, now it's just click and it's there and it's in China in a half a second. Okay, it wasn't like that before. But here's what I'm afraid we've done is, is those of you who know what 35 millimeter film is, you know there's a process. We have to understand sometimes the process to become what God wants us to be starts in the dark room. It, it starts with a process. It starts with things that happen that aren't always comfortable, but that's how God develops us. Right? We're in an age where we want everything just now, like oh, digital picture perfect. You know, the iPhone 12, the new one, my wife got this new one. I'm still rocking the, is it a five, five, okay? So yeah, you can tell I'm so techie. I, I still have a five EV, yes, yes. I don't know which one it is. <laughs> all I know is it works and the screen ain't cracked. That's all I care about. Um, the camera's not the best, but that's all right. Your, your pastor's a tight one, just so you know, okay? He is. He just, I guess that's probably why we have the building paid off. It's like, no, we can fix this. We're going to fix it ourselves. Um, and, and God develops us in the dark times. We, we want digital. We want instant. That's not how it works. We've got to be willing to go through the process, okay? God is more concerned about who you are than what you do, who you're becoming as a person, and completion can only happen when we stick with it, even when it's hard. You gotta get to the point in your life where you can say this, that God is doing something in my life even when I can't see it. You gotta be willing to say, God, God you're doing something I don't see. You're doing something in this country that I don't understand. I don't even like it. But Lord, it's your world. I'm just gonna be the best Christian I can be while we're going through this. 
So his final encouragement is just simply hang in there, right? God's not up there wondering how this is all going to turn out, guys. Can I get an amen on that? He's not up there wondering, like, whoa, didn't see COVID. (laughs) Maybe I'll throw another earthquake in there to get people's focus on something else. I don't know. God's like, this is all playing out the way that I planned. That's why as a Christian, you can be at peace. That's why Paul was at peace in his prison. He was at peace because he knew that God had him. Amen. He knew that God had him. Let me ask you a question. If you would bow your heads with me, because I take... I take it very serious what Jesus came to do. If you could get to heaven on your own, he would not have needed to come down and die for us. Here's the fact, because I'm a fact person. The fact is that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible's very clear about that. God doesn't look at us as a scoreboard of, oh, you've only sinned a little bit and they've sinned a lot. No, we all need the blood of Jesus to forgive us. We do. So where are you at today in your walk with God? Have you ever personally said, Jesus, I, I repent of my sins. I, I need you to be my, my savior. I ask for your forgiveness. And if you have never done that, okay, then you can't really say you're a Christian. You have to accept Christ. And there's a hell and there's a heaven and you get to choose where you go. So if you want to choose heaven, you have to be willing to say, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And if that's you today, if you need to give your life to Jesus Christ, if you need this forgiveness that I've been talking about, He will forgive you the moment you ask him. doesn't matter what sins you've committed. doesn't matter what darkness you've ever been in. God will forgive your sin once and for all. And if you need to make that decision, I'm not going to embarrass you or point you out, but if you just lift your hand up high where I can see it, if you need to give your life to Jesus today, is there anybody in this place? Okay, I see that hand. Anybody else? This is the moment where you get to determine eternity. It's an amazing thing. All right, here's how we do it here. If you're brand new with us, uh, we just pray it as a family. Uh, There's people online, uh, but people that have raised their hands today. So church, I'm just gonna ask you to repeat after me this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. In your name, amen. 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 And we can celebrate those who... Amen. 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 Well, we're going to close with a song. And uh, I just say thank you so much for being here today. And I hope, that, I hope that you got something out of it. You know, I've done this long enough to know that usually there's like one sentence that you needed to hear. That you'll forget a lot of other stuff. But that one thing is what God wanted to speak to you today. Amen. So here's our song of choice. Because it is a choice. Praising is a choice.